Hello and welcome to the Rolling Wave podcast with me, Aoife Nick Cormick. My guest today is Schlievlochra musician in residence and founder of Schlievlochra Records, Owen Stan O'Sullivan. Well, Owen Stan O'Sullivan is musician in residence in Schlievlochra and we'll be speaking to him all about that in just a few minutes. But one of the projects which has emerged from his residency is a new record label showcasing a new generation of Schlievlochra musicians. The latest album to be released on the label is on pre-release through Bandcamp today. It's called Machanter Hain by fiddle player Emma O'Leary and here now is a track from it. from Emma O'Leary from her very soon to be released album Muchan Terhain Three Jigs The Woman of the Big House Con Tigles and John Dennehy's Jig and that album's the third album to be released by the uh, very recently established Schlieve Luchra Records which is run by the current Schlieve Luchra musician in residence Owen Stan O'Sullivan who's with me now uh, Owen you're welcome to the Rolling Wave L- let's start first with that album Emma O'Leary and uh, that's just about to be released very, very soon, isn't it? Tell me about it and about Emma O'Leary. Yeah, well, um, I'm actually putting it on pre-release uh, to coincide with the show tonight, but it's going to be released on Monday, the 2nd of August, at uh, an online concert a festival that I, I help run in Newmarket County Cork called Scully's Fest. We're on, online this year, but uh, as part of the, our, our online concert, Emma's uh, album release as part of it. And... Uh, Emma is a brilliant, brilliant fiddle player. She's um she's an All Ireland winner, I think. In uh, I don't know, I think she's won in a couple of different instruments. She she studied under um, Nikki McAuliffe, and uh, she would have uh, she grew up in Scartaglin, and uh, she's like her music is very much uh, the kind of music she heard growing up. Like all the tracks on the album, she's been very particular about picking out tunes that she actually got in person from people like Johnny Leary, Paddy Cronin. And you know, I suppose would they'd be the more famous people that you'd know, but like all the, all all the other people that she's got tunes off on the record, you know, they're all would be all kind of very well known names in Schlieve Luker, you know. And she has actually the sleeve notes are really good as well. She has all those that background, um, <clears throat> very concisely, uh, described there as well on the notes, um. We're going to hear more music from her later, Emma O'Leary, and as I say, the album's called Michianter Hain. But, but Owen, Emma's album is the third album to be released on the Schlieve Lochra Records label. There's Brian O'Leary and uh, Maura O'Connor being the others. The idea for this label arose from your vision for the residency, the Schlieve Lochra um, musician in residence. Tell me about your reasoning for establishing this label. Well, I suppose... Um in this is my second time doing a stint as the Schlieve Luker musician residence and during my first one one of the big things that I wanted to do was go around to the the school kids in all the areas around Schlieve Luker telling them about the music uh, in the area you know because I suppose there is a big lot of uh, music going on all the time but maybe people don't really realize that they're kind of living in a place that is 
such a kind of a special history and such a kind of a um, like intense activity in in the field of uh, traditional music. So I was going around, but uh, a lot of the time I was talking um, to them about like older players. It'd be a lot of black and white photos and stuff like that. And while some of them knew some of the younger players in their own area, the best times I had was like maybe when I went back to the schools a second time and I brought uh, local young local music- musicians with me because um, it just created, you know, that uh, bond between uh, the young musicians. And, you know, it's more tangible, the connection between uh, people that they could actually know in their own parish or meet at uh, sessions or festivals around the area. And um, the record label was an, an effort just to kind of like mark that there's a load of music going on in the area at the moment. And just to mark some of that stuff that's happening, you know, to kind of catch uh, some of the really good musicians that are here. And in that way, like, try and draw, tie that uh, line between, like, the older, the names of, you know, the Patrick O'Keefe's and the Johnny Mickey Barry's or, you know, there's, like, loads of old names. But this would uh, bring the the kids, hopefully, to, to get to know those older names as well and that kind of heritage that they're going up around. Oh, and you're on here now talking about Shlieve Luchra and uh, listeners to this programme again will be familiar with the concept of Shlieve Luchra in, in music. But when you were growing up and I know your your father played and, you know, you were involved in music, but how how familiar were you with the concept of Shlieve Luchra growing up or what did that even mean to you then? I suppose like it was never kind of uh, wouldn't have been a, a thing that was pointed out to us in school or talked to us about. Uh, I mean, I would have heard of, of all the you know, I would have been aware of the uh, Patrick O'Keefe, Dennis Murphy, Jimmy Clifford. But, I, you know, I suppose I was maybe 10 or 11 or 12. I saw, I started to hear the term here and there. And I saw it written on a magazine, actually. It was a thing called the Sleeve Luca magazine. And I remember an issue that with a picture of the Paps. And, uh, like, that was almost by accident that I started to kind of, uh, like, ask questions and, and harass my dad about it, what, what it was of what it might mean, you know, and uh, like uh, that's one of the things that the residency and stuff like that, that's why it's very important for us to get out and kind of explain that to people when when they're young so they can kind of soak it in as they're, you know, oh, you know, this music that I'm hearing in my local hall or whatever, that's, you know, they'll be listening to it going, oh, yes, this is this, this is the stuff where, like, I, I think I was, you know, 19 or 20 with someone I had been listening to Irish music in general, you know, and fiddle players like Tommy Peoples and and Kevin Burke, you know, like when I was starting playing the fiddle. But one time I came home and someone gave me, uh, Tim Brown from Cantor again, gave me the star above the garter because when we tried to play music together, we couldn't play. And he, he was going and learned that. And uh, when I heard that music then on the star above the garter, I was like, oh, this is this is the stuff I heard growing up, you know, so I think it's important for people, like they mightn't realise it until they leave the area as older, but especially for kids now to to be like, for it to be pointed out to them, you know. Um, it, it's interesting with Schlieve Locher because Schlieve Locher has an impeccable pedigree when it comes to, to musicians. I mean, listeners to this programme will be very familiar with the big names, the Porrig O'Keefe, Dennis Murphy, Julia Clifford, uh, Tom Billy, Johnny O'Leary, there's loads more. But apart from them, how widely embedded was the mu- music in the community? I mean, was there always a huge number of musicians who played locally all the time, who kept things going in, in their own sort oh, of quieter way? 
Yes, yeah. You know, I mean, I remember uh, there's a man, Timmy O'Connor, say, in our own area, my dad, and people like that that play the local session, you know, but uh, I remember a, a man, Michael O'Reevig, was giving Timmy a present, or not present, a presentation one night, <laughs> and he was saying, like, you know, that was the real uh, the real heroes are those people who show up every week and let, you know, will let people join in with them. But there, there is all over... You know, if when you think of the Dennis Murphys, Padraig O'Keefe's, uh, Julie Clifford, uh, and Johnny Leary's, all these, most of them come from nearly the same kind of corner of Shlieve Lucre, and they're very associated with that corner of Shlieve Lucre. While there is a a massive amount going on in the like in the West Limerick side, over our uh, direction as well, and like that, um, these places even have their own kind of uh, sound as well, you know, and styles as, as well, even within the the Shlieve Lucre. Canon, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, seeing as you've brought it up, like your residency is funded by Cork, Kerry and Limerick County Councils because uh, Schlieve Lucre borders all three counties. And um, Con Houlihan famously has said that it was notoriously difficult to to define where Schlieve Lucre was, that it was a movable feast. Is is that true or or how do you define it now or how would you define it? Um, Well, when when it comes to like the style of music, I think the style of music, is really the sound of uh, traditional music, like in Southwest Munster, and, and you could kind of say the Schlieve Lucre style is the kind of sound of Southwest Munster. You know, if you go anywhere in uh, Cork Kerry or West Limerick, you hear that kind of uh, sound. But like, I suppose the area that I that where it's there's a very intense amount of activities all has gone on is in the the hill country, kind of uh, in the northwest of Cork, southwest Limerick, and like uh, most of northeast Kerry. You know that kind of. You, it's very actually visible on the map. There's kind of a certain historical and uh, geographical uh, things that kind of conspired to make music so valuable in a social way in in that area. You know, it's uh, those hills are very isolated. Uh, it's only in the last maybe five hundred years that uh, there's like a population there. I think people moved into the area like since like you know when Cromwell would have said. To hell or to Connacht, uh, some people headed towards Shlieve Lucre because it was a kind of a, a refuge for them. Yeah, yeah. So there's a kind of an older element of uh, music in the area. And then geographically, it's very wet. Uh, it's, it rains here an awful lot. So the farming season would be quite short compared to other places. Mm. And that meant in long winters where people had to entertain themselves and spent long times um like at the business of dancing and having uh playing music it became a very important and i think that's kind of lingered and um like you say uh like you don't have to be from shivruka to play shivruka music and conhulan is dead right it's a state of mind it's just about getting into the the swing and the vibrancy of that music and um yeah it's got it's a hard thing it's a hard thing to define uh, <laughs> well i i think in a program a previous program that peter brown did on this uh on the rolling wave um a few years ago i think he might have spent 40 minutes trying to define what much of lucre was with numerous guests so uh, i'm not going mm. to pin you to the collar now to do it in five minutes but uh it's interesting it's a very interesting I- idea and the character, so you mentioned the swing of it and things like that, but the character of the music in Schlieve Lucre, what comes to mind for you uh, when you think of it? I mean, if you were to describe the character of the music of Schlieve Lucre to a new listener, how would you how would you describe it? Uh, this is something, uh, this isn't, uh, this, I'm robbing this off my dad because I heard him chatty about it. We were talking <laughs> to someone about it the other day. 
he, he says, I think it's kind of defined that it's uh, it's very much a kind of a country music style. I know not talk about Nashville or anything, but it's a very country sounding, very, it's deceptively simple. Like in the technical way, there's like a several, uh, everyone talks about the polkas and slides. There's like more uh, dance music styles played in the area than there is in other places. And uh, people veer off into ears and do you know there's like a there seems to be like a broader amount of uh, music types and uh, mm. there's a kind of an old accent or something to the music to, as well you know mm. one very special project you were involved in was with a man during the residency was uh, with Paddy Jones and uh, he was a very fine a wonderful fiddle player but he was also a man who who thought a lot about fiddle playing and about music um we're going to hear from him in a second talking about fiddle playing in Schlieve Lohr and how 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 he defines it or what makes it unique for him but tell me about Paddy Jones and how that particular project came about well that was back in we was we recorded at the end of 2018 it was just when I had started that first stint doing the musician in residence and um it was just a, a lot of things came together um, I would be a big admirer of Paddy Jones anyway but I hadn't uh, planned to do anything uh, like this video but I got a phone call from a lady called Elva Elva Kogan and uh, she had read a book by a man named Russ Bradbird and uh, he had lived in was in Killarney or Tralee, in Tralee and uh, he had um, written a book about his experience as a basketball coach who was also learning music at the time, learning fiddle. But the person in the book that uh, was Paddy, uh, Paddy Jones, the book's called Paddy and the Hardwood, which isn't the Paddy isn't <laughs> Paddy Jones Not in Paddy it, Jones. but Paddy Jones is a, a massive character in it. And um, Alva Kogan was uh, really anxious to, to make a video about Paddy. So it just happened that I got a chance, a brilliant chance, because I, I lo- I've seen Paddy from a, a distance for an awful long time. And this was a great chance for me to, to get to know him. And uh, we just filmed it uh, a day of myself and Paddy talking. And uh, Paddy was just such a really wonderful character. You know, you, you might know a musician for years before they talk about <laughs> the kind of things Paddy would bring up, mm. like uh, two minutes into a conversation. He was just so... Um, you know, he just thought so in depth about things, and he loved to uh, to throw out ideas and and you know and see what what people would say about them and stuff. Okay, well, let's have a little listen to him. This is uh, Paddy Jones talking to Owen Stan O'Sullivan about fiddle playing, and uh, then he plays an air. When Padre decided to write for in in the tablature that he that he used, you know that Padre wasn't a sticker for a thing. Padre didn't work very hard. Padraig wrote out uh, something for you and you were up to your own devices and if you held the fiddle upside down Padraig might tell you a, a few times that was it that he never kept correcting you I said to a great fiddle teacher one time uh, if they keep doing the wrong thing what do you do do you keep uh, and he didn't answer for ages but eventually he came back to me and says what else can you do only keep correcting him you see which is true but Padre never went to any great trouble to differentiate between a C and a C sharp. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're playing in the in the usual uh, two keys, D and G. And uh, when it was written in three not one, two, three, well, those of people just played a second finger. Mm. And rather than make a mistake, 
they're put that second finger somewhere between the C and the C sharp. I think, uh, you know, we were t- uh, talking about uh, Judy Clifford's playing and uh, yeah. Rebecca, she has a very special sounding C. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's, that's what marks her out as a player. It's, exactly it's it. kind of uh, in between. or An in between. between. Yeah, right. yeah. It covers one size fits all. <laughs> so that's a kind of a hallmark of Schlieve Lucre music. Yeah. Only the fiddle can say it, you see, mm. because the fiddle can... As a box player said to me one time, oh, he said, you can bend the note, mm. you know. So, you know, like, a beautiful slide up on that note, you see. Mm. That's the richness of that grand music, you see. Yeah. So, to me, these are basic hallmarks of that Schlieve music. But the thing is that we have to play whatever tunes we're playing well. But more important than playing the tunes, especially with the fiddle, is to be playing the fiddle. You see, the great classical teachers like Yehudi Menuhin and Fritz Kreisler will tell you that the first, second and third most important thing about playing a fiddle is the tone you're getting from that instrument. Technique is absolutely vital, and the more you have it, the better, as long as it doesn't come between you and the people listening, you see. That uh, what happens with technique uh, that I've seen is that it becomes part of an ego trip. And when that takes over, it's like a, a young lad saying to his dad, look down, I'm cycling with no hands, woohoo, look at me. So, you see, that's not what music is about at all, at all. Music is about... Uh, bringing your listener with you on a magic trip. Jones there from an interview he did with my guest tonight Owen Stan O'Sullivan and that interview is available to watch on YouTube and very sadly Paddy Jones died uh, during the the Covid pandemic he died in May of uh, last year so um, Owen obviously with the residency uh, a huge amount of your time now is spent promoting and supporting Schlieve Locher music. But uh, as well as your fiddle, your background is interesting because you have a background in, in composition and in rock music and in, in all sorts of different things. Tell me how all that came together or or or, or when you decided to go more Schlieve Locher than, than rock or, or about that pathway. My dad uh, plays the fiddle. He would have been part of a gang who played in the area here, like all the live music, I suppose, I would have seen as a young person was uh, traditional music. And um, they would have had the session in Scully's and you would have traveled around to different things. But mostly I was, you know, I would have been like a kid standing around, you know, after four glasses of orange, <laughs> 20 bags of potatoes, really, you know, a bit bored by it. It didn't it didn't really excite me at the time, even though I, I did love the music and everything. So, like, they tried to teach me music growing up, but, like, they gave me every instrument except an electric guitar, which I wanted, you know. And so when 
when I was like 15, I joined a, a, with a, a gang of lads here locally and we became like a, a local rock band. And by the time we were 16, we were traveling around doing all pubs and stuff like that. And it ended up, we were traveling around uh, England playing with uh, different people. But by, I suppose by the time I was 19 or 20, I kind of uh, got a bit uh, tired of, or didn't, I, it didn't seem, uh, I don't know, challenging or whatever, but there was something, I was looking for something else and um, and I was listening to jazz and I was listening to traditional music and stuff like that, but the traditional music for me seemed like the, the jazz, or jazz or something, it seemed so alive, you know, there was a, you know, I know I knew so many people who played, and there was it just seemed really vibrant. And I, you know, what one of the things I really loved about it is, is there was um, it was something you could do on your own. You know that uh, you didn't need a band with you, and uh, so my fiddle started getting played more and more. And um, eventually, like I was supposed, I was out running sessions in Cork City at the same time that I was, you know, like maybe at the weekend I'd be going away playing. Uh, rock music or going away, for, uh, going around different places in Europe and different things, but all the time I was uh, uh, keeping little sessions going and and playing. And the the people I found that I connected most with were a lot of the people who would have grown up here in the area, and we kind of shared the, the same repertoire, so we we played a lot together. Mm. And uh, that's more and more, you know, I was really. Uh, you know, and even when I suppose when I started playing the fiddle, I started coming back here. I was living in Cox City at the time. I started coming back and playing at my local session or going back to Valley Desmond or touring the Fuller, or down to Mount Collins, different things. You know, just uh, it's kind of really dawned on me, I suppose, when I started playing myself that we had something really, really, it was really different, the, the music in the area. And it was really, I found that really exciting. It was brilliant. Mm. So that, that was kind of the journey. And like, you know, because many people play different styles of music, but all of those influences feed into your understanding of, you know, what music is. Did you find that? Yeah, uh, like when at some stage I just started tr trying to make music out of the tunes that I had in my head and I was actually able to kind of adapt them into songs and stuff like that. And I even uh, one night I remember meeting John Spillane and asking <laughs> at a party and I asked him, was I doing the right thing or was I cheating? And he was like, no, 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 <laughs> keep going with it. You know, that's the kind of, we, we're very, really, really lucky to, to live in a country that is so, has so much music and it's, it's so alive that, you know, that you can, you can be, you can dip into it and you can take it, not just inspiration, but you can actually, that music is there for us all to use, I think, you know, and it's, um, it's a shame that, you know, that it, it would be a shame if we didn't use it, you know. Mm. Tell me about this little tune on the electric guitar. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I just I thought it, be, it would, might be a nice idea to just to, to show that. Uh, the, a couple of years ago, I was doing, um, I did a thing for the Hand of Down in Scarta Glen uh, PJT and asked me to do a night about Tom Billy Murphy's uh, from Bally Desmond. So I went, I went digging into that and someone had sent me uh, recordings that Brendan Brannock had made in the Oh, I suppose it was in the 60s, I'm not sure at the time, but uh, of uh, a lady called Molly Myers. And I, I had loved that book, Kjo Rinka, uh, the Brendan Bernock, I think it's number two. And I had actually uh, found Molly Myers' music in that when I was when I was living in Cork, trying to get pick up more Sleeve Luca music. So this tune jumped out at me. It was called Quinn's. It was a jig. And 
when I played it for my friend Timmy Connors, he said it, it was called the Castle Island Races, but it, I'd become obsessed with it. And um, like that, any tune that I become obsessed with, I end up playing it on the piano and the guitar and everything. So this was it. just a kind of a guitar version I had of it. Castle Island race is there played on electric guitar by Owen Stan O'Sullivan. Owen, um, you have a recording here of an air uh, you call 1921, but the, the backstory to, to this is very interesting. We'll, we'll have a listen to it in a second. This is you on fiddle. But tell me about this air and about the background to the title. Uh, well, I suppose if I start with the tune, the tune itself is a, a tune I'd heard uh, on a, a Morris O'Keefe tape that Morris had made for a friend of mine, Tim Brown. It had become a tune that the two of us played together. And uh, again, I <laughs> turned it into a rock and roll <laughs> uh, guitar riff at another stage. And um, uh, one day I rediscovered the old tape or a, a tape, a part of that old tape. And when I played it, when I heard it, in, I discovered it was in a different key and I tried playing it. Uh, I had to play it slow to match the key. And suddenly I could hear a voice in it, uh, uh, like like an, it sounded like an air or a song to me. But um, one thing I found out about Morris O'Keefe uh, was that he had learnt uh, fiddle in the the same townland where my great-grandfather grew up and had lived. And that, uh, a couple of years ago, I had been invited up to play at or to go to Arson Uchtaran to because there's a, a painting in Arson Uchtaran that my great-grandfather and uh, some of his uh, buddies, <laughs> whatever you'd say, are in it and it's uh, it's called um, 1921 a flying column and they had asked me to play a tune for the people who were gathered there at Arson Utron and they were saying oh play an old polka or something and I was I was thinking back to my great-grandfather who was also a, f- a fiddle player he lo- he didn't play dance music he loved old sad old music or whatever and I thought like I didn't know any of the music that he played but this was a tune that Morrison he had picked up in one of his neighbours' house, houses, so I just played uh, that ear and uh, because of the painting being called 1921 The Flying Column, I thought that might be a great name for the ear because I actually don't know what the original tune is called even, you know, so the, that's where that came from.
Owen Stan O'Sullivan there playing an air he calls 1921. Its title inspired by a painting by Sean Keating called 1921 A Flying Column. Uh, Owen, just before we finish, maybe just tell me a little bit about the idea of the Musician in Residence projects and how important do you think they are or what role do they have for musicians and for communities? When I heard of it first, I was like, I, I was like, oh, someone's going to jump in and do this job and do some kind of highfalutin uh, research project where I like I was like, oh, this would be better served if it was like more about community work, you know, that uh, I was giving out to someone on the phone, a person that I really respect. And I was saying, oh, this is terrible. You know, there's someone's going to run off with a load of funding. And they they said to me, no, go, you go for it now and, and do the thing. So what it allowed me to do is, is the ideas that I had about trying to get uh, music and a higher standing in our community, like here around Newmarket, uh, to kind of jump out into the other, the wider Schlieve Lucre community and try and help, you know, try and uh, do those ideas on a bigger scale. And uh, I think where traditional music lives is in within a, a community, like a small community, and uh, that's where it needs to be nurtured. I think that's the, you know, like you can be coming up with all concepts for amazing concerts or, you know, researching people who died hundreds of years ago. But like if the work isn't being done on the ground, it's not connecting with an audience in a in a meaningful way, I think, you know, so. Mm. So of all parts of the country, the music and lore of Schlieve Lucher has been quite well documented and widely collected over the years. But do you think there is there much still to be found, do you think, or do you still come across new discoveries? Yeah, there is. I mean, I, I have manuscripts and stuff at home that I haven't even had time to look at and it's it's great to look through them because you know, you find tunes that have you know come from different areas that are written down the same you know miles away you know where you'd be expecting to be very different and then you find original ideas for the tunes that have changed so much and and what for you know things that have gotten mixed up over the years and but one one of the other things about finding music here is that there's a load of writing going on um when things were going in the session in, in Scully's Bar on a Monday night, you know, of all the, there might be 10 people coming regularly playing there, but about five or six of them were writing their own tunes and they were actually going into the, they were becoming part of the session. And you're seeing that, a, a lot of that, which is, I think is the real uh, treasure that it's regenerate, you know, that the, it's inspiring itself into new music all the time, you know, so. Okay, well, look, we're going to end our chat with a tune again from Emma O'Leary's brand new album. It's called Machanter Hain. And uh, fittingly enough, she's going to play three newly composed tunes here now for us. You might introduce these for us, Owen, please. Yeah, there's, these are one of my favourite uh, selections off, off this uh, new record. But the, the first tune is a tune written by PJ Tien, who I know uh, talked on this programme before about World Fiddle Day. He writes uh, lovely tunes. It's a hornpipe called The Honeymooners. Uh, the second tune is by the the fiddle teacher who would have taught him, uh, uh, Nicky McAuliffe. I'm not sure the name of that. I, can't, I don't have it in my head now. But the last uh, tune then is one written by a man called Tom Flin- Fleming from over there near, I think it's near Nakhnagashal. And it's got a, a wonderful title. It's called uh, The Heights of Mingbata.
And thank you for listening to the Rolling Wave podcast. All of the CDs released by Shlieve Lochra Records, including Emma O'Leary's Mohyanthar Hain, are available through Bandcamp. For rights reasons, the music in this podcast is shorter than in the original broadcast. So if you'd like to hear the full versions of the tunes, you can go to rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash the rolling wave. This programme was first broadcast on the 25th of July, 2021. Till the next time, Gurmina Mahagi, Agasla.